lordy, this is episode 40. Man, am I, I'm going to run out of dumb stuff to say at the beginning of each of these as the season progresses. Hey everyone, hi, hello, welcome back, it's nice to see all of your smiling faces again here at this time we make for one another. This is the Anhedonic Headphones podcast, it is the 40th episode overall and it is the fourth episode of the seventh season. My name is Kevin Krein, aka Kevy Fly. I will get to all of the usual fine print regarding the show after today's interview is over. My guest on this episode is a writer from the Mankato, Minnesota area. I was introduced to her quite a while ago. Shortly after the release of her memoir, we'll be the last ones to let you down. I wrote a piece about her when I was still working for the newspaper when she was doing a reading in a nearby community, and I've followed her on social media since. She has a new book coming out this fall, so we talk a lot about that, as well as the selection of music that she brought with to discuss. So please, folks, as you are able, put your hands together for my illustrious guest, Rachel Hannell. Thank you so much for being willing to to do this and for taking time out of your your morning to to chat with me about all this. I'm I'm really appreciative. Um, and so for the folks in podcast land who might not be familiar with you, do you want to just do a quick introduction on who you are and and what you do, and then we can kind of get into the conversation here. Sure, of course. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm Rachel Hannell, and I live near Mankato, Minnesota. And I teach at the university in Mankato. I teach media writing, nonfiction writing, any kind of form of creative nonfiction. Uh, I'm a writer myself. I started out as a newspaper reporter and then I got interested in the memoir form. So I do have a memoir that came out in 2013. It's called We'll Be the Last Ones to Let You Down, Memoir of a Gravedigger's Daughter. So my dad indeed was a gravedigger, and I grew up near or in Wasika, Minnesota. Um, so clearly that was kind of an unusual way to grow up. So <laughs> I really enjoyed um, writing that just to just to see a little bit of, okay, how, how unusual was that and how really did that for me? And uh, now I have a book coming out in the fall about a woman who was a member of the Symbionese Liberation Army in 1974. So for people who maybe aren't too familiar with that, since that was almost 50 years ago, um, that was really a time in U.S. history where we did have a lot of protest movements and we had a lot of protest groups. And the SLA was one of the more violent and radical ones. So um, I just really traced her life. Her name was Camilla Hall. Um, just to see how, you know, a person from a small town, Minnesota, uh, gets involved in something so radical and so violent. And that I was reading. um, So I remember when your memoir came out, because I had spoken to you when you were doing like an event in Faribault a long time ago, when I still worked at the, the, for the newspaper. So I've, I've read, I've read your memoir and, and everything. And um, I was, refreshing my memory on like kind of what you have been up to since then. And I do know you have the new book coming out this fall. So how do you get in, like, how does something like that interest you? Like in terms of like tracing the life of somebody from a small town in this region to something like that, like how did, how did that come 
How did that project come together, I guess? Yeah, I, I, you know, I saw her picture in a newspaper article way back in 1999, and I, I had never heard of her. I had no idea that she had existed, and here she, you know, had grown up like 40 miles away from where I grew up. Um, I just was compelled from the very beginning because in the picture I saw, she just looked so, you know, for lack of a better word, ordinary. She looked very mm-hmm. Minnesotan with her blonde hair and her blue <laughs> eyes. And her dad was a pastor. And I and I just thought, wow, that has to be some kind of story to to go from this really rather ordinary uh, life uh, to ending, you know, she had died in 1974 in that sh- in a shootout with LA police. So to go from small town, Minnesota to just this really brutal, violent, you know, yeah. ending, uh, I just had to try to find out what happened. And so does it, I mean, I know the book is like fall 2022. Is the like, do you have a release date and everything put together? Is that all still kind of in the works right now? All a little in the works. You know, we have to work so far ahead now just because of, um, you know, printer issues, supply chain shortages, things that are going on like that window is just so long. It's just been extended so much. So I think it would be sometime in November. I just don't know exactly when. Okay. That's yeah. cool. I'm glad that that project came together because it sounds like you've been working on that for a really long time. Yeah, it has been a really long time. If you do the math from 1999, yes, a yeah. long time. <laughs> um, so one of the questions that I ask people who I've, I mean, this, and I think I maybe explained this when I had asked you if you wanted to be a guest is this podcast started out with me interviewing my co-workers at my day job about music and then the pandemic kind of changed that because I didn't really want to have people in my house because yeah. it was just like we'd sit in the living room and talk and so I started reaching out to people over this remote service and I started speaking with a lot of like uh, songwriters and musicians that I had built a rapport with online and um, the one question that I, I want to ask everyone is how they've been doing and how they're staying creative during this difficult, like the last two years, because I mean, you teach, but like that, obviously the face of that has changed. And how have you been able to kind of maintain any kind of creative outlets over the course of the last two years? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and for for part of that time or, or when the pandemic was really in full swing, well, when the pandemic first hit, I was teaching. Yeah. And so I had to take my classes online for those last six weeks of the semester. Then I was on sabbatical and had this sabbatical oh, okay. planned, um, you know, approved well before the pandemic and everything. And so I thought, wow, I'm going to be on sabbatical during this pandemic and or at least for that first year of the pandemic um so i was able to be at home you know and really not have any other responsibilities and i did feel a little guilty just because my colleagues (laughs) were really struggling with how to teach in that environment and how to teach online and teach you know hybrid and that kind of thing um and i was just really watching from the sidelines but you know, it was a good year to be away from that. And I really had spent that time not necessarily writing any new things, but that was the time where I was really trying to find a home for the manuscript. So I had oh, sure. so much time, you know, querying agents and editors and that kind of thing. So that's kind of where all of my energy went, went toward.
Um, so you've you've picked um you picked nine songs to discuss, and I'm curious what kind of metric did you use to pick these, or like what um like are, are these all representative of a specific time, a specific place? Like, how did you select these? Yeah, I think they're the songs that I just return to again and again. Um, I have I have a playlist. Um. And there aren't a lot of songs on my playlist. Um, but it's a playlist that, like, if I'm out running, you know, and I want oh, to sure. listen to music, you know, I put these songs on there um, just because I I love them and, and they just give me some energy. So they are definitely representative of my favorite artists. And okay. I was just trying to pick the favorite of the favorites. You know, what are my favorite songs by my favorite artists? Okay. Um so when you had joked that this list might be too Morrissey heavy, but you, you we're going to, we open with a, a double shot of solo Morrissey and then towards the end, you've got a little bit of the Smiths. So um, would you say that like the Smiths and Morrissey are like your all time favorite artists? Or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Without question. I mean, okay. I'm just, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> do you, and I don't know how comfortable you are discussing this, but do you, do you have a difficult time separating the art from the artist with Morrissey? Because he's oh. got some, un, like some unpopular takes uh, as of late, especially. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just like, I, I love the Smiths and I just have a really hard time whenever I see his name in the news. Cause I'm like, Oh, that can't be good. You know, that's exactly it. Right. You, yeah. If you see his name in a headline, you know, you just know he's, he said something untoward yet again. Yeah. Um, I, I do. I, I really do try to separate that out. You know, I really, just because he's been part of my life for so long, you know, for 30 years now, yeah, I, I would find it hard to just give give up you know okay. uh, even though it's like wow yeah he's, <laughs> he's pretty out there you know with some of his views and um but he's always been he I feel like he's always been even in the time that he was with the Smiths I mean he was just always on like the edge of society and I think he took yeah. pride in that or then still takes pride in that so then it's kind of hard to to uh, to think about like how much of it is it is really like his strong held beliefs or how much does he just want to be the contrarian
Did you read his memoir? Yes. A number of years ago? Okay, did you like that? Or were you like, no, like I, as a fan, how did you feel? I did like it. Uh, it. It really did provide some some good insights. And he really is a good writer. I mean, that's something even when he was a, a teenager, you know, he just yeah. loved to write. And he really is a good writer. It, it threw me off a little bit in that there were no chapters. <laughs> so it's yeah, just, that was when I was last night, when I was thinking about, I was like preparing for the show, for our conversation. And I, I was thinking back to when I read that book and I was like, that was the book with no chapter breaks, right? And yes. I was thinking, yeah, that was just like a long haul. And uh, the it got like real way down in the middle with the stuff about the legal battles with oh, the yeah. Smiths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's what I would say. I mean, the book was really great, except for, yeah, those maybe <laughs> pages where, okay, we get it. Clearly, he's he's not over that yet and had to go into great amounts of detail. Yeah. yeah. Right. So um, of the Morrissey tunes that you picked, we can talk about both of these um, together, but you, you've picked Tomorrow and I don't mind if you forget me. So of these, so how did you select these and kind of where are we, like, how did you come to the Smiths and and Morrissey is like your favorite artists and like have long held them in such esteem? So it's, Tomorrow was the very first song I ever heard by Morrissey. I had no okay. idea who he was until then. And um, I was watching MTV one day, you know, I think it was like March 1993, um, thereabouts. <laughs> and, you know, just after school doing my homework, I was a senior in high school at that time and just had MTV on. And this video comes on for Tomorrow. And I was, I just stopped. Like I was mesmerized at, for, first of all, I just thought he was so good looking, you know, this is 1993 Morrissey. He was still looking really good yet. Like, oh, he's so good looking. And, and, and that video, it's a one, it's a really cool video. It's in black and white and it's a one shot video. And he and his band are walking through the streets of this Italian village and it's just yeah it's just so mesmerizing and so you know at the end of the video i write down his name and the the album so i go out and buy the cassette of your arsenal and yeah i just i thought it was so great like every song was so great and then i went to visit my sister and her husband and they're about 10 years older than me and i was telling john my brother-in-law i said gosh i heard of this great 
guy named Morrissey is a great singer. And I got this, your Arsenal album. And I, I just love it. And John's like, well, you know, he was a <laughs> singer of this band called the Smiths. I said, no, I had no idea. I've never heard of the Smiths. And, you know, thank, thank God John is a good music fan. So he had like the Smiths albums from the 80s, you know, the actual LPs. Mm-hmm. He was a fan back in that day. So he said, I'll make you some mixtapes. I said, great. So he makes me the mixtapes of the Four Smiths albums. And I think I didn't listen to anything else in my car for like the next two or three years. Like those tapes were in my tape deck and they were just, that's all I played. With the other song from Morrissey here, I don't mind if you forget me. Like, was this just another one that you were drawn to after you kind of immersed yourself in his solo body of work? Yes, definitely. That would be one song that just really popped out at me. And so again, this would be, you know, I'm probably my my early college years sure. listening to this album. And and that is just such a great song for like anything in your life because we've all been rejected, right? Whether yeah. it's by a potential love interest or a job or anything. And it's just the, like, I don't mind if you forget me, like, you know, F you, I don't need you. Um, I just love the attitude that's in that song. And I've used it. It's in so many times in my life since then, like whenever there was a, there was a big no or something thrown yeah. in my face. I'm like, Oh, I got to put that song on. <laughs> <laughs> um, as such a longtime fan of his, have you seen him perform live? Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. I believe I've seen him eight times. Wow. Um, I was supposed to have seen him 11 times, but yes, he is a little notorious for. Yeah. I was going to say we, my wife and I tried to go once and it was like it kept getting rescheduled until it was finally just called off completely. And yeah. so we, uh, we have not been to a Morrissey show. And I mean, I don't know if that's something we would want to do now and yeah. for many reasons, but right. um, I don't really know if he's, if he is touring, is going to tour ever again also. Um, I, think, but- I think so. I feel like that's something that he will do as long as he can, just because I think he really thrives off that adulation, right? Like. Sure. He loves people who love him. <laughs> I think I always just imagine him, t- you know, setting up a tour anytime he's like feeling low and depressed and just needs people to just love him. Then he's probably like, oh, I'm going to go out on tour again and, and look at all these people who love me, you know? <laughs> yeah, the, the one time it was like a, supposed to be, at, I think, maybe the Orpheum in mm-hmm. Minneapolis. And this was maybe about a decade ago, yeah. give or take. And, uh, 
it got canceled or it got moved. It got moved again. And then it was finally just called off completely. And then he re like he rebooked the tour, but then the venue had changed and it was at the Fitzgerald yeah. and the tickets were all like $80. It was just like a lot. And yeah. we were just kind of like, nah, it's going to be a hard pass for me. <laughs> yes. I can see where somebody might make that choice. Um, my friends and I call it a batting average in terms of like, oh, how many times have you seen Morrissey? And how many times how many were you times supposed were you to have seen Morrissey? So I'm like, I'm eight for 11. And you know, yeah. I have one friend who she's like three for three. We're like, wow, how did you manage that? Yeah, that's, that's very fortunate. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, anything about just solo Morrissey right now? We can talk more about the Smiths when we get to the, the actual Smiths tune at the end here. But anything else about Morrissey and these two before we scoot into the next one? I think just with Morrissey solo, you know, that's how I first encountered him. So as much as I love the Smiths, just absolutely love the Smiths, I think just that solo Morrissey will always have a special place in my heart just because sure. that's how I it's, first got to know him. Yeah, it's the first thing you heard. Yeah, no, I get that completely. So the next one here is, I guess, probably the more recent, the the most recent tune on the list here, um, in terms of just like things that have come out. Uh, and you know, this was from a couple of years ago. Uh, Frightened Rabbit, mm-hmm. an otherwise disappointing life. Yeah. Um, so, and I mean, Frightened Rabbit. Obviously, Scott passed away a handful of years ago. Um, but how did you get into Frightened Rabbit and like kind of where are we at your, in your life with this one? Yeah, relatively recently. You know, I think all of all of the bands that I just love, like the, that mm-hmm. moment is frozen in time as far as how I came across them. And Frightened Rabbit was um, we were we were just like going through the music channels on our satellite TV. Like, mm-hmm. oh, look, we have satellite music. (laughs) And so we were just going through that and, you know, put it on some alternative station or something. And it might've been the modern leper. That might've been the song that was playing. And, but again, I was just stopped. Like I was just in my tracks. I'm like, wow, what's this band? I love their sound. Who are they? And that, yep. Went out, ran out, got the album. And just, I was a fan from the just very beginning of, of hearing those first those first tunes yeah um did you like go back and revisit their other because this is from their their last album um, yeah so did you like go back and revisit their other 
Yes. Like, they have a couple before that one. Yeah, they did. So the, and I'm forgetting the name offhand. I'm always so bad with names, but the one that the, the modern leper is on, that was the first one I got. And that had been a relatively recent release at that time. I think it was around 2012. And then I went back. I think they had had one or two albums before that. So I went back, but I just, I still just loved that, that first album I bought the most. And then after that, it was just a matter of picking up their new stuff when it was released. Oh, okay. I have something, and I've always meant to, to write something about this because I think there's an essay in it. There's something for me, it's like bands above the 44th or 45th parallel. I don't know what it is, but, but it's like um, if you are Scottish or like Northern England, Manchester, mm-hmm. or Minneapolis, I mean, if you look <laughs> at my playlist, like it's almost just all exclusively that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, about- yeah. That sound, I don't know what it is. I have a long list of tepid disappointments, and you should burn that too. this particular tune it's a little bit like the the i don't mind if you forget me you know it's it's just that reminder of okay sure we have these disappointments but you know it's it's not all bad or or you know we all have it i mean i think when i listen to these songs even though they might be they are depressing but but it's just like but in a way they kind of uplift me because it's like oh i'm not alone you know like somebody else has gone through this and i think that's really the appeal to me I felt like I needed some time. Like when, when Scott died, I mean, that, that was the first per like the first musician who died that just like threw me into a tailspin, you know? I mean, of course there was David Bowie and there was Prince, but like, I wasn't huge fans of theirs. And so it, it really was when Scott died, I was just like, Oh my gosh, this is what it feels like. You know, when you're, favorite musician dies. Um, so, and so after that, like, I, I really couldn't even listen to them for, I mean, maybe even a couple of years, it was just too much. And especially like I hadn't been a fan for a really long time, you know? So I felt like, wow, I was just really, really getting into them. A friend and not my, uh, a friend of mine and I had seen them at, in St. Paul at the palace, like in September of 2017, and oh, wow. yeah, and they were hanging out at the merch table afterwards. And I got my picture with Scott and it was just this great, like, wow, I just was so into them. And then it was just a few months later that he died.
Um, so I'm excited to really talk about this next one with you because I'm a huge Elliot Smith fan. Um, so Waltz number two, where were you really into Elliot Smith like during his active years, or did you come to him later on after he had after he had passed? Yeah, no, I was a fan of his while he was still performing, and I guess maybe I should take that back about Scott <laughs> Hutchinson being like kind of the first one, you know, obviously yeah. Elliot Smith too, but uh, you know, it was kind of equally as devastating. That was another one where, like, I remember the first moment I ever saw him, he was performing at the Oscars that year. Oh, sure. That his song for Goodwill Hunting was yeah. nominated. And I, I was watching him. It's just this guy in a guitar. And he had and his, crum- his crumpled white suit. Yeah. His crumpled white suit. And he looked so uncomfortable, like, oh my, like, so out of place. Like, he would have rather been anywhere else, but he's forced to be on this Oscar stage, you know? And I, my heart just went out to him. I was like, oh my gosh. But also, just, you know, I do have a thing for, for just like the solo guitar singer songwriter sure um so i was like oh who is this guy and yes i will run out and buy his album and again was just completely taken in with everything that he put out there and of the of the tunes um like is xo your favorite elliot smith album or it is, is it, it absolutely okay. Is. yeah okay and so with waltz number two is that like kind of i mean that's probably one of the more accessible or like uh less downy clowny like super bleak songs yeah, of right. his yeah um so is that kind of like where like how did you select an elliot smith song for the list if if he's been you know such a a favorite of yours for a long time because i don't know i mean i would be hard pressed to pick one elliot smith song to talk about because yeah. he's had such a impact on me yeah for sure i think it's just yeah, it, it's kind of that that depressing song that's kind of couched in the happy waltz. You know? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is like I mean, he is good at dress, especially once he got um, signed to DreamWorks and the kind of sound group. Like it's a much bigger sound on the two albums from from DreamWorks. It's uh, he was really able to dress up mm-hmm. how sad the song was with such like a rollicking kaleidoscopic arrangement. Yeah. So like this one is um especially it's like very catchy and well-written and structured, but like, yeah, it's still, it's still sad. It's not the saddest song on that album, but it's like, yeah. he, he really knew what he was doing in terms of turning something really down into a, like a pop tune. Yeah. Right. I think there's just something so, so haunting about it and it's definitely catchy, but it's, it's the story, you know, it's just that oh, sure. incredible storytelling quality that he has and you know this is 
no surprise, I'm a writer, I'm always going to gravitate to lyrics. Like, I'm a sure. lyric person. Did you um watch that documentary that was made about him a couple of years ago? It would be more than a couple of years ago now, I think, probably. But I don't. It's just like interviews with people who knew him and kind of tracks his career. Um, it was okay. I mean, it's it's worth watching if you're a fan. I think. Yeah, yeah, and I haven't watched it, and I I okay. will. And I also have the the book, the biography that came out about him. You know, it wasn't that long after he had died. And, and I haven't read it. Like I bought it <laughs> and I sat it on my shelf, but that is another, the same thing with frightened rabbit. Like after yeah. he died, I just felt traumatized and I was like, I can't read this book. I, you know, I don't, you can't listen to him, you know? Like, and so it's just like, I, I put him away and I shouldn't do that, but it's like, it's still hard, you know, to, to listen to him or to learn more about him. Cause it's such a sad story. Like his life is so oh, yeah. sad. Yeah. yeah. The Lemonheads, and this one I was not familiar with because, I mean, my knowledge of the Lemonheads is kind of limited. Um, 
I remember like when they were very like they had like their big popular moment in like the early to mid 90s. But with so where are we now with them in in your life? Did you come to them early on when they were uh, kind of like when MTV was still playing videos and uh, had more of a diverse mix of music in its lineup? Or where where are we with with this band and with this tune specifically? Yeah, I would have come across them, yeah, when they were really hitting their popularity and so they would be on MTV. Um, I I liked them. Um, I didn't buy anything of theirs. Um, but I when I met my husband, so this was in 1993, okay. and again, the, the era of mixtapes, right? Like, <laughs> lots of lovely people make me mixtapes. It's just so wonderful, and I still have them. Um, but my husband, you know, who I just had started to get to know at that time, made me a, a mixtape and included um, the two Lemonheads, the, the two popular Lemonheads albums. Oh, sure. At that time. And so that was another one. I guess if I were to take the Smiths out of my tape deck, then I would put in <laughs> the Lemonhead. <laughs> um, and so that that was another one, like just on repeat. So, you know, I would just listen to it endlessly in my car and just got to know all of those songs really well. But, but yes, yeah, so I have the fond memories of like, oh, it's something that, you know, my husband had made this for me. And we, we don't, um, often get together on music. Like our musical tastes are very, very divergent, you know, again, with yeah. him being the musician and focusing on kind of the musicianship of bands and me for the lyrics, but it's like the Lemonheads are in the middle. Like he can appreciate them for the music. I think they have great lyrics. Um, and so it's like one of those rare bands that we can agree on. Are they still is the are the Lemonheads or some form of the Lemonheads still active? Yes, I okay. saw them pre-pandemic, like November of 2019. I mean, oh, it was before times. Just, <laughs> yeah, just right before before times, and they they were yeah they were touring as the Lemonheads, but I'm quite sure it was not an original lineup. Evan Dando and like yeah. three other four other yep, guys. Yep, yeah, 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 exactly. Um. I, since you're talking about mixtapes, do you miss that kind of like the intimacy of like making a mixtape or a CD for somebody and passing it on to them yeah. in today's, in today's world? I'm, this is going to make me sound super washed, but like the, the, the play, like the making a spot, a Spotify playlist is just not the same to me. Yeah. I've, I've not even tried that. 
I mean, <laughs> I am like, I'm really being dragged kicking and screaming into this, you know, new, newish world, uh, or I guess it is a new world of digital music. It's yeah. really, really rare that I would download a digital album and I don't use Spotify. I, I just, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to kind of move ahead. So if I'm going to buy things, I'll still buy CDs. My husband will still buy CDs, you know, occasionally yeah. I'll buy a vinyl, but like we are still a super analog house. <laughs> I also really thought like, I mean, I just started using Spotify within the last like year mm-hmm. um, just out of convenience. Cause uh, I'd be walking to work and want something to listen to, yeah. but uh, yeah, I mean, I still buy LPs, CDs. I like. I would make mix CDs for a friend of mine, but it's like uh, not every car has a CD player in it now. So it's just kind of like the 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 push towards something not being like even like fit like a physical artifact is difficult for folks who like appreciate passing along music in a certain way. Yeah, right. You know, I think of those mixtapes that people made for me and that I would I would pop them into my tape deck yeah. in my car, like, and, and that was always with me. And yeah, now, yeah, absolutely. My car has nothing except a USB <laughs> port, you know? Yeah, like our, we're th- I'm, our, I'm thankful the car we have has a CD player in it, but it's just kind of like, I, I know like anything newer than mm-hmm. 2015 yeah. is like, you, you have nothing and yeah. it's like... For me, that's wildly frustrating. It it is, yeah. Thankfully, we do have one car that's 2006, and so honestly, like sometimes we will make the choice of what car to use, whether like Based let's on, use the car with the CD yeah. player because <laughs> we can listen to our music. I would like to leave this city. This old town don't smell too pretty And I can feel the warning signs Running around my mind And when I leave this island I book myself into a soul asylum Cause I can feel the warning signs Running around my mind So here I go Still scratching around in the same old home My body feels young but my mind is very We're we're heading into uh, Oasis right now, um, half the world away, and this is one that I did not know. But I'm also not like I was never a huge Oasis person. I was I grew up during their like the the Brit pop mm-hmm. domination, so I remember they were you know I remember the big singles that were inescapable but this is kind of i would say like for me this is like an oasis deep cut because yeah. it's not one i was familiar with so 
uh, how did are you i mean based on your love of the smiths were you a big brit pop person and like as the 90s progressed with bands like this uh and blur you or know not, how did you get into them yeah not so much i mean certainly i was familiar with oasis you know they're, they're big hits and that kind of thing and and this is another band that my husband and i can agree on and so he he had quite a few Oasis CDs. And so I kind of just got into them more like throughout the nineties as, okay. as he would play those CDs. And then, you know, for this particular song, um, we have the double, the double album, um, which I am escaping the name escapes me, but this song is off one of those CDs. And so, yeah, I would say there's definitely quite a few deep cuts among those two CDs. Um, and yeah, this one just really struck me. You know, I didn't, I didn't really come across it until like 2014, but just in terms of my life at that time, it, it just, it really, really like, again, the lyrics uh, yeah. just really resonated. I, you know, as much as I love some of the, like some Oasis tunes, cause like I live forever is like a, a yeah. song I really love. Um, I just, I can never get over how much those two hate each other <laughs> and how they just are always talking shit about the other one in the news still. And it's, yeah. I'm just like, Oh, your band is from almost 30 years ago. And people, I think people just see like, two British dudes who look vaguely similar who have unibrows and yeah. uh, just are always talking that cash shit about the other one. And I think that it's easy to forget about the music. Such drama. I mean, it's just such drama. And, and yeah, I will admit that just is completely fascinating to me. I'm just like, <laughs> wow. I mean, really, can people, can like two brothers from the same family just really 
hate each other that much and they they can you know you just don't see that out in the open as much as you see it with them and there's a really great documentary i think it's called supersonic um about the about the brothers and the band yeah. it, it kind of it goes up until like 1993 like it goes up okay. to like right when they're poised to just super break out big but it really was great to learn about their early years um even though i feel like it didn't really answer the question of why they hate each other so much <laughs> but it was clear like even from the very beginning you know that there was always tension even when they were yeah. between the two of them and i think that's part of the draw especially like in the during their run of big albums and kind of like super popularity in the 90s it was like they put out these albums that are loved they also are going to kill each other and there's such animosity and it was just kind of like tabloid fo- it was like tabloid fodder but they were making good tunes and so it was like you couldn't you couldn't escape knowing about oasis whether it was for the right reasons or the wrong reasons yes it was like uh, there's no such thing as bad publicity bad press, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so we're heading back to uh, Morrissey and the Smiths with Cemetery Gates, and <laughs> are we are we heading back into like your kind of teenage years with this one, or how did you of all the Smiths tunes? both well-known and kind of like deep cut ones. How did you pick this one? Yeah, the, this would be, you know, when that mixtape was made for me. So it would be still like 93, um, listening to listening to this song and this album. Um, well, just again, with my background. As- yeah, I was going to say, when, when I saw this on the list, I'm like, oh, I bet I know why this song is on here. But I didn't want yeah. to assume. Yeah, if there, yeah, if there's going to be a song about a cemetery, yeah, <laughs> I think that's just great. I mean, that's just not something you you hear a lot, you know, in the world of rock or the world of pop. So I, I, I just think this is a, a lovely song, you know, just where he's in the cemetery and he's just contemplating these people who are buried there and the lives they had. I mean, it, it feels very familiar to me. Like that's what I did also when yeah. I was young and in the cemetery. Like, oh, who are these people? So, um, yes, this song has a special. Place place in my heart.
some dizzy whore, 1804. A dreaded sunny day, so let's go where we're happy and we'll meet you at the cemetery gates. Oh, Keats and Yates are on your side. A dreaded sunny day, so let's go where we're wandering and I meet you at the cemetery gates. Keats and Yates are on your side, but you lose. His will of a wild is on the I mean, since your memoir, I mean, your memoir came out um, in like, you know, the early 2010s. Mm-hmm. Have you done any other like personal SAE writing or anything like that? Or have you just been kind of focused on like teaching and also um, working on the other the the biography yeah. that you have coming out? Yeah, definitely. Just focused on the biography mostly okay. to, to writing. I mean, I have, you know, a handful of essays that I work on that I have. And and, fa- and I'm so bad at finishing anything. So <laughs> I thought, you know, this, goal this year, maybe I should just go back to all these like unfinished essays and really try to do something with them. And I, I mean, I think I have like 20 or 25. I mean, there's so many. So um, I mean, there's probably something more there. I just need to, to finish them. Okay. I suppose balancing that with like a big kind of long project and then also your teaching schedule yeah. is probably very difficult to find the time to be like, let me return to this thing that I abandoned for whatever reason. And oh, try to, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like any job, right? You know, you have to spend your, your 40 hours or whatever, you know, working your job. And then, and then yes, if you're trying to do a side, pro- like I usually only have the bandwidth for one side project, you know, like one writing yeah. project at a time. So now that now that this biography is off my desk, it's like, okay, so I'll <laughs> get back to some of these other things. Trip Shakespeare, uh, local local uh, local outfit from the Twin Cities. I had only heard this name, um, and it was like when I was kind of working in radio and was getting to know more about bands from the Twin Cities or like bands that had local connections. And I don't think when Semisonic came out and was like very popping with closing time that, I mean, I didn't live in Minnesota at the time I lived in Illinois. So like, I had no idea that they were from the, this area until I moved up here 
and kind of started to know the other bands that were loosely associated. So hearing this was kind of a surprise to me because I was not anticipating this from the dude from Semisonic. Like I just, it took me back. Um, so where are we with this one in, in your kind of musical history? Cause this is from quite a while ago. Yeah. I think it must be from 1990 or so. It's um, from the, yeah, the very, very early nineties. And this is, yeah, this was like the tail end of their kind of, uh, canon i think when i was reading their history yeah right um the, this would be another band that i came to through my husband so i guess okay. it's more common than i initially thought <laughs> um he, he, he yeah he had some good taste there you know um regarding local bands you know regarding the minnesota bands and so he had been a fan of trip shakespeare d- during the time you know during the time okay. they were actively making music and performing um so he had this album and and that was be another one where you know he would play it and i'd be like who's who's this you know i just really like it i just really like the sound of it um so i was i was really drawn to them right away and of i mean so of the of their work and everything how did you pick lulu specifically as yeah, the, the, it's the a great the story so again coming from the lyric side it's a great story and i feel like it's such a it's such a minnesota story i mean he doesn't ever reference you know anything specific in the song but you know he talks about going downtown to see a show and it's just like mm-hmm. well, obviously they're going to first avenue you know it's just like <laughs> clearly that's where this came from and you can just and he talks about the snow and they're going downtown during the winter snow and know it just seems so minnesotan and i really do love john munson's voice so yeah i mean more than dan wilson like if john munson (laughs) could sing all the trip shakespeare songs i would be just so happy and so i i love his voice and the things he does in this song and he's going into falsetto and doing just all sorts of neat vocal things um it's definitely my favorite song in that album 
And so did you, have you followed the kind of trajectory of everyone in, involved in this group? Because like, I know that, I mean, Dan Wilson did, uh, they both, he and John went on to do Semi-Sonic and then that broke up. And then Dan has a, had a solo album, but now he's just kind of like a songwriter to, he collaborates with a lot of like pop artists yeah. usually. And, and then John is in the new standards. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, have you, do you kind of follow along with where they're at right now and like various reunions or whatever, or is it just kind of like you like to hold on to this project and you don't, are not so much into the, the, anything else after it? Um, I will follow John Munson anywhere. <laughs> I would say like he, he was the one who just captivated me. And so I definitely follow the new standards and try to see them whenever I can. And, you know, I just, I love his, you know, upright bass. And I, yeah, I'm definitely a fan of his probably more so than Trip Shakespeare as a whole. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I had like the final piece of me putting all of that together, like with who was associated with what outfit was, I think when I, when I still worked at, for for the paper, the new standards were playing in Fairbow Mm -hmm. at the Paradise Center. And I was interviewing somebody about that and they mentioned semi-sonic and trip Shakespeare. And I was like, Oh, that's all. Those are all the same dudes. Oh, that's cool. So like I I had, I just again had no idea. So we made it to the end and this was another one on the list that I was super excited to talk about because I, I'm a big fan of sugar specifically um, because I was introduced to them well after they had split up mm-hmm. by um, I, for a very brief time in the mid nineties, I had some older step siblings and one of them was really into sugar and he okay. introduced them to me and uh, I was just like, obsessed with them so and i know that i mean again living in illinois i had no idea that they were you know you know it was bob mold's new band out of after husker do that they were from the twin cities whatever whatever so uh when i moved up here and kind of rediscovered sugar when they did uh they did a big a big reissue campaign about a decade ago Mm -hmm. with the um the albums being remastered and reissued and so i kind of that uh, rejuvenated my interest in learning about them. So kind of where are we with uh, with Sugar and kind of 
where they fall into your life and this song specifically. Yeah, this would be another uh, mixtape song. Okay. Uh, so we can see the influence of the mixtape and really how important <laughs> that was in people's lives back in the day. Um, I believe my husband, when he made me the mixtape, uh, of the Lemonheads albums, he had a little extra room, you know, on one of the sides. And there you go. So, yep. Yeah, I think he included two sugar songs, and then this was one of them. So this is okay. also it. Just got so much play in my car, and again, the story. Like, I just think it's such a intriguing story. Like, ooh, what's really going on here? Um, but just in terms of just a nice rock song, you know, yeah, uh, is is just great to listen to. Have you followed Bob Mould? You know, I really haven't followed him too much um, just because I feel like my knowledge of him is pretty limited or I mean like like song exposure wise, you know, I kind of just went through sugar. Um, I'm, I'm too, I'll just say I'm too young for Husker do like (laughs) the heyday of them. I was just too young. Um, So, you know, I'm not a a fan of going way back. And I know that, you know, he'll come here and, and he'll play and he'll tour, but I always feel like sometimes his shows, like they sell out right away and he adds another show and sells out. Um, you know, I just think like, Oh, I guess I just don't feel worthy. Like I'm not that <laughs> of a fan. And if people want to go see him, it should be the fans who have been with him, you know, from his Minneapolis days. And so I've never gone uh, to see him either. Sugar kind of, I think there's a lot of animosity there. I think maybe they're on, some of them are on better terms now. There's like an essay in the liner notes for the reissue that kind of gets into okay. how they split up because they, his, um, there was like a big profile about his sexuality and like spin or something. And that kind of like just, yeah, a lot of tension in the band about that and kind of how big they were and how they kept pushing themselves to do more too quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, it's kind of sad. It was it was sad for me to read that as an adult because I was like, they had been split up for at least two years by the time I discovered them. Mm-hmm. And, I, and then uh, I read that es- those essays and I was kind of like, oh, that's too bad. Like, it's too bad that I found this well after the, I mean, I'm glad I found it after the fact, but it's, too bad that they they were that ended so poorly for them 
Uh, but I mean, they, I think, and they, they, I mean, they have a pretty, I, I'd say they have a pretty big following, mm-hmm. but it is also one of those bands where it's like kind of a cult favorite where not everybody has heard of them or is aware of the connections to other things. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Another sad story. It's, uh, yeah. it's amazing how many sad stories are out there when it comes yeah. to bands and musicians. Yeah. Um, well, we made it through your list. Great. And is there anything else you want? You, you didn't say about any of these that you want to get into or anything else you want to mention? Like, I mean, where people can find you on Twitter and on your website, find out about your your book and anything else you're working on. But is there anything else we didn't get to that you want to give a quick plug to before we sign off for the day? Um, yeah, I would love it if people wanted to know more about my writing. It's pretty easy to find me online. I feel like I'm kind of everywhere. You know, these days <laughs> they want you to be everywhere and try to promote your stuff everywhere. So I'm not I'm not that hard to find. But yeah, I've really enjoyed um, talking about all of this. You know, I don't consider myself a huge music person. Um, like when I was growing up, it was always television. Like I was a TV oh, okay. person. Like, oh, I would just watch TV and like maybe have sure. a couple of cassettes here and there, but I was, just, was so into TV. So, you know, I think about people who are so into music. Um, but the one, but I, I feel so passionate about, you know, like these musicians that we talked about today, um, that I have a very narrow interest, but it's a very passionate interest. And um, someday I feel like I should write about that too. You can add that to the list of essays that you need to revisit. I think I already have one started. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, this, this does, this provides me some inspiration to get back okay. to that one. Okay. Well, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your day to to speak with me and then for taking time to come up with a list of tunes and, and having like thoughtful things uh, connected to all of them. I'm, I'm very grateful for, for the work that you put into this. So thank you. Well, thank you for the opportunity. It was really great to talk to you and to just kind yeah. of nerd out over these songs. Let's see how many times it takes me to record this uh, this closing. Hey, thank you again so much to Rachel Hanel for stopping by and chatting with me um, about her book and uh, about all of the music that she wanted to share on the program. If you're interested in learning more about her and her work, you can visit her website. It's rachelhanel.com. Rachel is spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. It's time for the fine print now. This is the Anhedonic Headphones podcast. I have been Kevin Krein, a.k.a. Kevy Fly. This is, of course, of course, this is the audio extension of the award-winning music website, entering its ninth glorious year of taking the fun out of music writing, anhedonicheadphones.blogspot.com. If you enjoy this program, please like and subscribe rate and review all of the things that podcasters ask their listeners to do the show is available on all of the usual podcast platforms i am available on social media at kevy fly on both twitter and instagram and there's also an anhedonic headphones facebook page which i usually neglect to mention because i mean who really uses facebook anymore as we depart from today's episode I hope you are doing as well as you are able to be right now, given everything that's going on. I know it's not easy. Uh, Also, please keep wearing a mask. Please keep washing your hands. 
Black Lives Still Matter, and Adopt Don't Shop. I'll see you next time.